Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available or you're a student actively enrolled in a college or university, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. Plus, there's an exclusive student discount. To see if you are eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Packages are also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. This NFL season, be your own GM. Be a winning GM. Turn this season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. We'll be doing the Ringer Fantasy Football League later today, and that is on Yahoo, because Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. So when you play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. Yahoo Fantasy is also the only app where you can manage all of your season-long and daily fantasy teams in one place. Create or join a league now at yahoo.com slash the ringer fantasy football. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dynasty Football Podcast brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your host, Danny Heifetz, along with my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. How are you doing today, DK? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. That that intro just it brightens my day every time you say it. <laughs> I'm glad I can be your sunshine. Absolutely. We can just hop in right now because this is the final pod we're going to be doing before what yep. I imagine is 99.9% of people will do their fantasy football drafts uh, before Thursday. So mm-hmm. we wanted a whole episode today that'll really, really kind of prepare people for the final week, their final episode. So we can kind of you want to just dive in, DK? Yeah, let's just do it. Let's try and hit as many people as we can here. All right. So we'll start with uh, Thank Me Laters, which is, you know, this is about trust. These are the guys we're asking you to trust us on. You know, you can draft these guys, thank us later, or you could thank us now. You, you could thank me now, and oh my goodness, you're welcome. You're welcome. DK, who's your first Thank Me Later guy? All right, I'm going with tight end Jack Doyle from the Colts. Number one, I think right now, obviously, last week, Eric Ebron caught a touchdown. And I think that's going to kind of, you know, make people pretty excited about Ebron and, and forget a little bit about the fact that Doyle is still going to be the number one guy in that offense in terms of at the tight end position. I mean, last year he caught, I think, like 80 passes, and that was with Jacoby Percet for most of the year. And so, you know, I think he's just kind of a sneaky guy right now. Number one, Andrew Luck trusts him. And we've seen that in the past. Number two, the big thing that I'm actually looking at is Andrew Luck his ADOT this preseason, his average depth of target, is alarmingly low. <laughs> I, I was looking at some numbers. This is from Ben Baldwin of The Athletic. Uh, his, in his first game, he threw nine passes. One traveled more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. His week two, he only threw one pass. That was 15 yards downfield. In week three, only one traveled more than seven yards downfield. Basically, they're just doing dump-offs all the time. And... There's been some sort of rumbling that his arm strength isn't where it needs to be or where it used to be. I just think Doyle is going to be a huge part of that offense because he's going to be that little intermediate dump-off kind of option for Luck. Wow, and that's interesting because I think Ebron is, I mean, he was a first-round pick for the Lions at UNC, and then he's just always been that like very physically gifted guy who hasn't really yeah. been able to combine, whether it's the route running or just being on the same page with Stafford when he was there or even just catching the ball sometimes. And I wouldn't be surprised if that those kind of intermediate stuff is 
definitely all taken up by Doyle. Yeah, I mean, like Ebron, he's got upside for sure, and he had a pretty solid second half of last season, but I still think Doyle is going to be kind of like the number one option. And I think, you know, Ebron's going to be like a seam guy or whatever, but I mean, Doyle's going to get a lot of volume. And I just think with the way that their offense is going to be constructed this year with kind of trying to manage Andrew Luck, get the ball out quicker and, and have a little bit shorter passing game, I think he's he's going to be a beneficiary. So let's kick it over to your first guy. Who you got first? Okay. Uh, I have, this is cheating a little bit. Jags, number one receiver. That is cheating. You have to pick uh, but one. I'm picking. I will pick in a moment. So obviously, Marquise Lee uh, suffered a gruesome knee injury. He's going to be out for the season, and there's now pretty big vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, guys who could fill that role, you know, it's Dante Moncrief, uh, who you know he's going like 78th among wide receivers, 232nd overall, and they signed him to a big contract in the offseason. It's mm-hmm. guaranteed for just one year, so he's going to prove a deal. There's also D.D. Westbrook, who's going like 173rd overall, but they're kind of competing for snaps the guy and, and then there's dj chark who's a rookie he's second rounder of L, out of mm-hmm. lsu who is good but i don't think he's quite ready for the show it's hard to be a rookie receiver especially one with mortals but the guy who i think is now the dude to grab in jacksonville who i yeah. love keelan cole i yes, love sir. keelan cole he's like a, he's like squirrely he's like six one he's a little under two uh 200 pounds but he's going like 145th overall so he's basically you can snag him at the very end of your draft december of last year uh, during the fantasy playoffs, but this is weeks 13 to 17, mm-hmm. 475 yards, three touchdowns, fifth in PPR among yeah. wide receivers. Fifth. <laughs> Dave Chappelle, fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth. He won, he won some people some leagues probably. Tied, or actually beat DeAndre Hopkins by one yard. Basically tied DeAndre Hopkins in the fantasy playoffs. Um, I love him. He's fun to watch. He's great with the underneath routes. He's great on the mesh stuff. Like, you know, he, he can get deep, but, like, he's actually good with, like, what they've actually kind of schemed up for Bortles. And, like, they have to do a lot of those routes that are the kind of route schemes, like, it's the AFC Championship, where a lot of mesh, a lot of pick-ish plays are just kind of a lot of scheming guys open. And he's really great with those underneath stuff. But then also, I also think the Jags are actually going to have to pass more this year. They kind of last year really relied on Bortles doing as little as possible. Their right. game plan was, like, don't fuck this up for us. <laughs> Excuse right. my life. But um, as Football Outsiders pointed out in their almanac, the Jaguars were first in offensive DVOA in the first quarter. So they were the most efficient team per play in the first quarter. They were 21st after the first quarter. Yeah. So in other words, they were playing with the lead a lot, and then that's why their defense was effective. It's not just they're talented, but their game scripts was, it's not just you have a great pass rush, but the teams are playing from behind need to pass. So it's going to be harder this year. It's unlikely the Jaguars will have so many first quarter and first half leads. And therefore, you're going to have your defense won't be quite as situationally primed to be pass rushing. And they also might not be as healthy. So they're probably going to need Bortles to throw more because Bortles threw the fewest attempts he's had in season since his rookie year. So I think the Jaguars are going to be throwing more. They're going to be playing mm-hmm. from the lead. And I think Keelan Cole is going to be sick. Yeah, I like but, that. That's one of those situations where you got like a you got three or four guys clumped together. And sometimes it's not the good bet to go with the the highest ranked guy. But I think in this case, you do. I think Cole kind of has separated himself on the top of that. Moncrief's interesting. But yeah, I mean, and so is Westbrook. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I like Cole on this one. The other guy, you could throw in Austin Sferian Jenkins if you want to. This is true. I love their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. And I think that's definitely just a thing to keep in mind for the first few weeks of the season to see and monitor who is doing well there. Uh, but DK, uh, who's your next guy? All right, we're going to go a little bit deeper on this one. Benjamin Watson, the Saints, another tight end. I'm going, going all tight ends this week. 
Um, I was reading an article, I can't remember, some some New Orleans uh, newspaper. It was a player was saying he at 37 years old is probably the most ripped player on the team. Still, he's just <laughs> in shape. I think uh, in that offense, tight ends have always been a big part of the passing game. Um, I think he knows that system. He played there in 2015. Um, he got 74 passes for 825 yards and six TDs that year, and he was 34 years old then. And if he's still in really good shape, I think Breeze trusts him. I think he's going to be a big part of that offense. And, I mean, if you look at what Breeze did last year, his his touchdown percentage was 4.3%, and that was way down from you know basically the last 10 years before that. I think he's due for a positive aggression touchdown, so I think Watson could be a beneficiary of that. And when you, when you look at that offense, they don't actually have like a ton of targets downfield that we've really established. So I think he could be kind of a big part of that offense. He's right now going really late. He's, you know, tight end 22. His average draft, draft position is 194. So he's a late round guy. Just take him with your last pick and and see what happens. But I think he could be kind of one of those guys in a, in a shallow tight end group that could kind of pay dividends for you. That's a, that's, that's a really good pick. I like that a I lot. I like him. Especially because Kobe Fleener's gone. And that, that's... Fantastic, actually. Oh, God, the Fleener hype. Uh, yeah. Let's forget about that. Anyway. Um, All right, who's, who's your second guy? Yeah, my final guy, uh, Geronimo Allison on the mm-hmm. Packers. He's going like 74th among wide receivers, 202 overall. I mean, he's you can get him undrafted, maybe on waivers after the first week. Yeah. Uh, I just believe in Rodgers, and people are just assuming the Packers will be back, but he's got a few things going for him. Uh He's in line to get a lot more targets this year. You know, he's pretty much got the third receiver role behind Devontae Adams and Cobb. But -hmm. really, I think he's more competitive with Cobb than it would seem. First of all, there's a when Rodgers had his, like, I'm a grumpy old man and these young receivers just all suck. He singled (laughs) out Geronimo among a a handful of dudes as, like, he was doing really well before he said that. Yeah, Yeah, for them to watch. And he singled that out. And then the key, the difference is, though, among... Everyone on the Packers roster, they're going to have like seven receivers in their depth chart, which will mm-hmm. seem like it'll muddy it up because they have all these receivers and it's a, they're going to have like the most receivers after they cut down to 53. But Allison will have by far the most experience and yeah. he'll have the most experience with Rodgers. And the Packers have been cranking out receivers. He's like the last guy from the Ted Thompson era of like just the receiver factory. And I think that he could compete with Cobb way more than you think, even he could have a presence in the red zone, but even if not, you know, Jimmy Graham isn't necessarily ciphering targets over the middle of the field. We haven't, at least we haven't seen him do it since his knee injury in 2015. So I think Allison's getting more targets all over the field, maybe the red zone. And then if Cobb or Adams does get hurt, I think Allison could be like a wide receiver too. Yeah. Cobb's been, I think banged up a little bit with exactly. ankle or something. So, there was yeah. like trade rumors about Cobb earlier this week. I don't believe any of that, but at the very least, like, I think Allison surpassing Randall Cobb by like October isn't like mind boggling. And just it's not like Rodgers' third receivers have not. Again, in a weekly league, any week that they miss, if Randall Cobb gets hurt for whatever reason, Allison's like a start, like a viable starter. So I love him for where he's going. I talked to a bunch of fantasy guys for a big feature I did at the Ringer. And JJ Zacharyson from Number Wire told me one thing that he does for late round picks is just you just throw a dart on a player who is going to be on a really good offense. And I think we kind of can expect the Packers to have a good passing offense. Obviously Jimmy Graham or obviously Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So, and I, I like that. I think that's a smart bet because yeah, like if Cobb gets hurt, Allison could legitimately be their number two. There's always hyperbole that comes from beat writers. Some of the hyperbole around Allison is that he's primed to take the mantle of Nelson as the one with the most chemistry of Rodgers. I don't want to, project that but if it's true then right. that's an unbelievable um asset yeah but, i like that i think that's smart 
All right, before we move on, uh, let's take a quick break. We want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket live every Sunday. Even if we can't get DirecTV where we live, because we want every play. Even if we don't live in a house with a satellite, because a lot of us live in apartments. We're on a college campus, but we still want to stream NFL Sunday Ticket. To see if you are eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Packages also available for football fans living in areas where DirecTV service is not available. DK, people always ask me for advice. All the time. Every day, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, usually, you know, it's what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I always tell them, you know, I don't know who's going to win. I'm not a sorcerer from the future. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. I always tell people, always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention, they have in-game, live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for your fantasy guys out there, I, just, I think that's us, uh, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So, lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, DK, uh, for our next segment, we're going to do Intrigued Deterred, which we're actually really excited about this week. Yeah, we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit, play around with the, the concept. We got a cool idea from Ringer video producer Jackson Safon. He stole this, I think, from Rotoviz, and I don't know if they've got it from somewhere else. But basically, we're going to comb through the rankings of some of the various fantasy hosting sites, ESPN, Yahoo, to see which players have kind of the biggest discrepancies in their rankings. Because when you're drafting, a lot of people just go right off of those rankings when they're when they're trying to decide who to take next. So I think looking at those and kind of trying to figure out why some guys are ranked higher or lower, I think could be a good way for you to find value on draft day. So yeah. what was the kind of first thing that like stuck out to you about these? Well, yeah. And first of all, this this is a really important topic because it's the only thing that's like universal is that you are affected by what you're looking at. And most people are looking at yeah. the rankings on whatever site you're using, which is mostly ESPN or Yahoo. And the best way to see to siphon value at the last minute is figuring out where those rankings have biases. The first thing I think we noticed as we started looking at this is that ESPN is probably a little more optimistic mm-hmm. um, about players returning from injuries or suspensions. Uh, there's definitely a, a big difference there. That was the first thing that leapt out at me. Uh, so some right. of those guys that there's a discrepancy on, for example, I think the first one that jumped out to us is Jarek McKinnon of the mm-hmm. 49ers, you know, obviously signs a big contract this year and then seems like he's like the dream candidate for Kyle Shanahan. He's going to be like this do-it-all gadget in between, outside, lining up all over the field, right. uh, back for the 49ers. And then suddenly he's 25th on ESPN for full PPR. And then on Yahoo's full PPR rankings, he's 48th. Yeah, so how do you, how do you, which platform do you think is more accurate? Because I think McKinnon for a long time, like you said, he was a sexy pick. That's definitely fallen off lately. Matt and he's, Breida dealing, is, he's, he's dealing with a calf injury. Yeah. So that, yeah, and that's really the sticking point here. He's been injured, but there's also a couple other factors here. Matt Breida is kind of factoring in as a potential, 
eat into his timeshare type of thing. And then now late, like very, very late in the process, Alfred Morris is kind of this dark horse to be the team's actual starter, like be the, not like bell cow, but be their first and second down guy and, and kind of run that offense. Obviously he's got a lot of experience in the zone blocking scheme that Shanahan runs and he's kind of perfect for that scheme. And so, I don't know. What do you think? Are, are you worried about Morris kind of eating into the, those opportunities? I've had a galaxy brand on this. My first reaction was, crap, McKinnon's hurt. He's ruined. My second one was, you know what? He'll be back for week one. This will actually turn into a good value. Right. And Because he'll be fine and people will overreact and he'll drop. Then the next level was on li- yesterday, on, on Wednesday, John Lynch basically said... He confirmed a quote that was like, Morris looks like the week one starter. And they asked him about that. And he said, exactly right. So suddenly Alfred Morris out of nowhere, nice guy, by the way, Alfred Morris, uh, looks like he could actually yep. siphon like a, a real role from him. So McKinnon being part of like a committee of sorts would actually be a real plot twist from free agency. But it, it, it's in the realm of possibility, which is scary at 25, but well worth it, I think, at 48. I think the overarching lesson for me on this is you know, this is an unofficial thank me later, but take Morris with your last pick if he's still there, right? Yeah. Let's move on. Who else okay. Who else has uh, kind yeah, of one, got weird Edelman, discrepancy? Edelman's going 84th on ESPN, 104th on Yahoo. Obviously, this is a double whammy because he's suspended for four games. And then he's returning from an ACL injury. And he's 32 years old. Uh, right. On the other hand, the Patriots don't have any other receivers. They have Chris Hogan, and then they have Philip Dorsett, who like has never had more than five catches in his career. Didn't have any <laughs> catches last year. And then you have... Corderell Patterson, who was supposed to be a special teams acquisition, and then suddenly they've been the weirdest receiver core. I think that (laughs) here's this in a nutshell. I think that so Brady was like 20th, 22nd, and 22nd in average pass length in 14, 15, 16, and then Mm -hmm. last year with all these deep targets, they he moved up to like like sixth or fifth, I believe, and then now they lose Cooks. They let Danny Amendola leave in free agency. They cut Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, Eric Decker retires. All these dudes. I think they're going to return down to a much lower dink and dunk, gain chunks, pass game. And they're going to rely more on James White and Rex Burkhead in the general offense. So Edelman, I see the fears of him. I could definitely see him like be washed. Like he came off an ACL injury. That's that's scary. But at the same time, he'd be an amazing value. I think I, yeah, I think I, I think I side with ESPN a little bit on this. I think I'm kind of high on him. I, you know, there's been... You know, some video of him running routes and he looks really quick. Obviously, he's played a little bit in the preseason. I think he's going to be fine. And I think the trust that that Brady has with him and, you know, just over the middle, he's, he's a you know very reliable target for him. I don't know what to expect from Dorsett. Obviously, he's kind of a factor, but he's been playing outside, too, when, when, when Edelman's in there. So yeah. I just think the upside Edelman has in terms of the volume of targets he could get in that offense is is good. And that makes him a good value. Like, obviously, if you can afford to stash him for a while, for four weeks, he could pay off down the road. So I actually lean towards the higher ranking with ESPN on that one. I feel that. Uh, the next guy we found is interesting. Chris Thompson is going 73rd in ESPN, 136th on Yahoo. So Thompson was actually 10th in PPR scoring last year through 11 weeks ahead of Fournette and McCaffrey, actually. And then he mm. broke his fibula. He got screws in his leg over the offseason. Uh, still doesn't seem like 100% during training camp, but it seems like right. he'll play week one. And then generally, I mean, he just has a better pass-catching skill set. And even though they have Peterson and Rob Kelly and fit Rob Kelly, you know, got in shape. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Samaji Ryan, none of them really have the skill set to knock him from third down, which is where he was crushing things last year. And then obviously Alex Smith exactly. throws to his running back. So it, it, that's 136 on Yahoo's nuts. That seems too low. I think probably somewhere in the middle is is about right because I think there is legitimate reason to be concerned. You know, obviously 
with a with a break like that, you can lose some of your explosiveness, your speed, and in, in the first year you're coming back. And so I think there is some legitimate reason to be concerned there. But at the same time, like you said, you know, Adrian Peterson is not going to play on third down. And and he's small. He's five eight. He's one hundred ninety. So he's thick. Right, but not, I mean, you. I think leg injuries are always a little more scary when guys really rely on bursts and don't have that kind of size or things. All right, DK, a couple other guys we saw a discrepancy with. Duke Johnson, 60th on ESPN, 130th on Yahoo. Uh, mm-hmm. Crowded backfield, but Duke Johnson was RB11 in full PPR in 2017 last year. Obviously, there's a bunch of guys, and he excels in the slot, and Jarvis Landry, other players will be in the slot now. But that's still, real. 130th is still really low. Yeah, I guess they're maybe low on him because of, of Hyde, his potential to be sort of a three-down back, and then obviously Nick Chubb, you know, kind of adds into the, the uncertainty there. But, I mean... Johnson's got a lot of pass. He's almost like a de facto slot receiver. I could see them using him, you know, in, in quote two running back sets, but he'll be more of just like a receiver. And, and so that, you know, that's I think that's a really interesting <laughs> discrepancy. I I don't know where to land on I it. Think I part think part of it might have to do with game script and if the Browns are actually better this year or at least more competitive, even if they still suck, he might not be getting yeah. garbage time dump offs when they're just passing and no one's open. Uh, so that that might be part of it. Which feels like he's undervalued but, to me. Yeah. So the next guy that. Big discrepancy here. Jamal Williams of the Packers, 97th mm-hmm. on ESPN, 149 on Yahoo. Obviously, there's like a committee thing there, but, you know, I love Ty Montgomery, but so Aaron Jones had a hamstring injury in training camp. Ty Mont hasn't missed a practice, but is still definitely second on the depth chart. And mm-hmm. Jamal Williams has looked good. Uh, you know I love pass protection for running backs. And Joe Philbin, That's their offensive coordinator this year, said, quote, Williams can pass protect. There's pictures of him in camp stepping up, picking up blitzes. Picture in the game last week where he can catch the ball in the flat, make somebody miss, and run with good pad level, end quote. So if he actually does cut into Tymon's third down plays and actually can be a third down back, which McCarthy suggests he could, that would be a wild thing to grab, like a starting three down-ish running back, 150 spots into the draft. Man, the Packers' backfield is tough. I, I definitely lean Williams, though, number one in that, and so... It does. I mean, that's like low. He's. I think he's kind of low on both of those even. Yeah. All right. So another couple guys quickly. Uh, we found that another interesting thing was Yahoo's base is 0.5 PPR, but ESPN's right now is full PPR, which we've discussed. But if you compare the full PPR rankings for both, that Yahoo definitely values receivers at a higher level than ESPN does, which we thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple running backs that drop. But again, this is a philosophical thing. There's and no one knows anything. So it's not like one's better than the other. But it's more that depending how you feel about running backs early, uh, we found that Leonard Fournette's going 14th in ESPN in full PPR, 25th ranked on Yahoo. Uh, he drops well, far. That's a far drop. It's a big yeah. drop. Well, McCaffrey is a similar thing. 18th on ESPN, 37th to full PPR on Yahoo. Uh, so... That's just, it's, again, it's more about floors and, th- I mean, there's a philosophy to rankings and how it should be. Fournette's interesting because he, there, there's been rumblings he could actually play more in third down. Yeah, they want to, they, they've been talking about that a lot lately. If Leonard Fournette's suddenly catching a bunch of balls on third down, that would be, I mean, he could easily be the number one running back this year. So that's wild to me that he'd be going 25th. Uh, McCaffrey 37th also seems, I mean, he went around there last year as a rookie and then outplayed that, so... I would say higher than that on both fronts, but at the same time, it's interesting. I'm maybe a little bit higher on Fournette than a lot of people, though. Not not necessarily in PR, but just in general. I was looking at some some numbers last year for last year, and I actually predicted Fournette, Fournette would end up with the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL this year because so looking at the Jaguars offense last year, they led the NFL in rush attempts inside the opponent's five yard lines. They had 27 of those. 
But Chris Ivory managed to swipe nine of those away from Fournette. Yeah. And so, I mean, Fournette, he ended up with 12 rushes from inside the five. He got seven touchdowns out of that. But now that Ivory's gone, obviously there's there's other guys in that backfield. Um, TJ Yeldon might be the guy to kind of snipe him. But I think that they're going to give Fournette more of those opportunities inside the five-yard line. And we could see him like Don't double. ever give me TJ Yeldon. He's the, the worst player I've ever owned in fantasy. No, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. But... I, he's the most frustrating person. Oh, don't even. I hate. Oh, I really. So anyway, <laughs> bottom line is, you know, they got Andrew Norrell. Their offensive line is still going to be good. They're just going to lean on that offense or that, that run game. And and I just think, even if you don't think Fournette can can catch as many passes, I still think this touchdown upside is huge. And so, um, yeah, I, I like Fournette a lot. Yeah. And then real quick, uh, in the actual reverse, actually, guys, where Yahoo is much higher on people. Uh, tight ends in general. ESPN definitely devalues tight ends uh, a lot more than Yahoo does, which was interesting. They have uh, ESPN is Jimmy Graham at 75th, Yahoo at 47. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, again, full PPR. And then similarly, Travis Kelsey, 31st on ESPN, 16th on Yahoo, which is, that's a huge difference. Um, so again, I think a lot of it has to do with targets and floors for receptions in the PPR leagues. But that's really interesting, and I'm kind of curious where you feel about that. Well, separate the two players. Jimmy Graham, you know, we've talked about him before. He's kind of a, a polarizing guy. I do think he's got a lot of, I still think he can be a double-digit touchdown player. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, you know, targets to go around in that Green Bay offense, but I just think Graham with Aaron Rodgers is just going to be a really good connection. And so I like Graham. I, I probably lean with Yahoo on this one. And Kelsey, he's, he's a bit of a mystery as well, just because we don't know what that offense is going to look like with Patrick Mahomes under center. So, Maybe that's part of why he's dropping a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting discrepancy. What do you make of the Kelsey thing? I agree with you. The Kelsey thing, I think about the Mahomes thing, which is I love Mahomes on paper, but the hype has taken all the value out of him. And mm. suddenly we're just assuming that he's going to be great. But like no one's talking about the downside of the last time he threw a touchdown pass in a football game was in November of 2016 versus like Baylor. So, I mean, it's really underestimating what Alex Smith actually did there. Um, so I, I that's crazy for me. But. I think the point we're saying here is that if, you know, if you're trying to do some last minute, get some value, if you're on Yahoo, maybe look at some ESPN rankings and you can, you know, get an idea. If you're doing a draft in ESPN, you can look at the Yahoo rankings, see who's falling relative, and then, you know, really kind of, that's one of the best easy ways you can kind of draw value out uh, at the last second of your draft. Yeah. All right. Before we move on, uh, let's take a quick break. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you actually want to stay at. No more scrolling through endless lists of choices. Paradox of choice is a real thing, man. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance, perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. I'm in the latter category. Hotel Tonight is perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's so easy to use. Book hotels in 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. There's even the HD Perks program where the more you book, the better the deals get. I have my cousin's wedding coming up in October, and I'm probably going to need to use Hotel Tonight, but very excited. Haven't gotten my flight yet, but don't have to worry about the hotel. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. All right, DK, uh, for our last segment, I'm really excited about this. Uh, This was a great idea. And basically what we're doing here is 
stealing a little bit from the Against All Odds podcast. What's going on, buddy? We're basically riding the sharps. And this is like a popular concept in the gambling world, which <laughs> you look at a line and you're like, all right, well, who are the people who are doing this literally all day and the most invested? And where's that money right. going? Uh, and we're going to kind of do the same thing for that this week. And we're going to look at where are the people who are have the skin in the game for fantasy? Where are the discrepancies between them and the kind of normal pool of average draft position? Yeah, this is something I kind of heard from a couple different guys when I was doing the big fantasy feature from last week. It Which was, was an amazing article and everyone should read. It's how fantasy absolutely. football experts find value in a post-sleeper world. Really well reported. It's awesome. <laughs> Go to theringer.com. Great website. Thank you for that plug. Um, yeah, so basically the idea is, you know, with with some of the more generic ADP lists that you can find out there, it, they're culling from mock drafts or drafts where guys are leaving potentially in the eighth round and you kind of just letting letting the rest, you know, letting it auto draft the rest of the way. So you kind of lose some, I don't know if accuracy is the right word, reliability in terms of the actual value of some guys in the middle and late rounds. And so what you want to do is look at some of the the paid to play best ball league ADP list. So basically these are guys that have skin in the game. They're putting bets down. They're not going to leave halfway through. And and generally speaking, you know, if you're betting on, on fantasy football, you probably spend a little bit more time thinking about it and researching. It and, and also it, it, I think it also reflects more people who are more invested in keeping up with the news in case someone tweaks an ankle, a training camp, whatever. Right. Those kind of leagues are much more plugged in and that really just, it's a much more accurate reflection of what your league yeah. will look like. I mean, it's basically, a, you know, to use the sharp term, it's just a little bit sharper ADP. <laughs> and so, and that's average draft position for guys. And so what we want to do is look at where the sharp ADP lists differ from some of the more generic ones that you can find. And a couple players had pretty big discrepancies that we think are, that's definitely intriguing. And so the first guy that came to mind is Sony Michelle from, from New England. You know, we saw in the best ball ADP list that we were looking at, he was 61st versus 90th in the, in the generic one. And so... Obviously, it looks like the sharps are a little bit higher on Michelle than than maybe the general public is. It, it, I think it probably has to do with the knee injury, but you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to be out for very long. So, I think, what do you think of that discrepancy? Do you buy into the idea that Michelle is going to come in and take over that backfield? For, so, for the first couple months after the draft, the way I looked at Sony Michelle was he had fumbling problems in college. There's obviously no worse way to get just your <laughs> right. ass planted on the bench. Than fumbling for Belichick. That's what happened to Mike Gillisley. And I was like, look, this is a rookie. And imagine he's not going to waste Tom Brady's final season, like for competing for a Super Bowl, maybe with like a fumbling running back. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? There's this myth where Patriots don't trust a running back and they don't give one guy the rock when they, but that's not been true since, I mean, Garrett Blunt did it in 15, 16 and he just led the team. And last year we saw Dion Lewis get it and they do trust someone. And so mm-hmm. Michelle's really good. And Burkhead and James White are going to be out there catching passes and stuff, but like there's no, they can be on the same field. And I've actually really warmed up to the idea that Sony Michelle could be really, really good as like their true running back. Right. And I mean, like right now you can get him pretty late. I think we saw on ESPN, he's 96th right now in PPR. He's 137th on Yahoo. Yeah. You know, when you see the Sharps are taking him at 61, that kind of, that that means something. And so I think. And, and again, it's a weekly game and it's hard to know who the Patriots running backs are the first seven weeks of the season. But like, it's kind of clear midway through. There's so much value to be had if you have the lead back in the Patriots offense, right? And so, yep. you know, they're just going to score a lot of touchdowns. They're going to get a lot of touches. They always produce. A lot on the ground. And so, yeah, I mean, I think Michelle, to me, I've, I became a lot more intrigued with him after kind of looking at this, this discrepancy. 
And, you know, as a mid-round kind of guy, he could be a, a very interesting gamble to take. Yeah. Uh, the next guy, which I was surprised to see, this is an interesting one. Uh, Nelson Aguilar in the the paid leagues that we saw uh, going 89th. And mm-hmm. then the generic league, we looked at 102nd, which that yeah. was interesting. I think it immediately caught my bias, which was I still can't shake the idea that Nelson Aguilar is this horrific bust <laughs> from the 2016 season who can't run right. routes and can't catch and had confidence issues. And then was re- was pretty good last season, and that's definitely still in my mind. And it, it seems like that might be actually a value that um, they're seeing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's almost like just name value here, name recognition. Because you're right, there was a point where I think Eagles fans were talking about how he should be cut and things like that before last year. Obviously, he came out of nowhere and, and really emerged as a, a dangerous slot uh, receiver. And I was looking at some numbers. I wrote a couple of weeks ago about how the passing game is happening more over the middle of the field and. Carson Wentz threw sixty percent of his passes last year to slot receivers, and that was and, and he was fifth in the NFL in DVOA on those throws. So he's a very efficient passer over the middle field who likes to target that area. And so, I mean, Aguilar is going to be a big part of that passing offense. And, you know, whether it's Foles or you know for a few weeks and then Wentz takes over or whatever. But I think Aguilar is still a guy who is being dragged down a little bit just by his name, just by the fact that over his first couple of seasons, you know, he just did not. He did. He just struggled he was he was i guess a bust really and so i think there's definitely value to be had there uh especially too with Al- alshon jeffrey injured you know could kind of up his his potential early on another couple guys sharps are high on um first pierre garçon who's going 88th in best ball adp uh 109th uh at the generic one we looked at we've talked about garçon basically mm-hmm. you know I don't think we need to elaborate too much, but basically 49ers offense, if you believe in the shanahan Sants, Garcon and Marquise, <laughs> right. Lee, uh, Marquise Goodwin, excuse me, are both really good values. Um, but the other one that we looked at, which I think is very near and dear to your heart, which I was intrigued by, uh, Tyler Lockett. Yeah. This guy, is, he, he, this is another kind of polarizing one because the Seahawks receiver core is definitely really up in the air right now. I mean, obviously Doug Baldwin is the lead guy, but it just came out that he's going to be like 80 or 85% this year because of a knee injury. They're going to have to really manage that. Does that make him a smaller piece of the puzzle in terms of their passing offenses here? It could. So the the deal with Lockett is when he was a rookie early on in his career, he looked really, really good. Like he was running away from guys downfield. He was a really dangerous deep threat. He's a really good returner. Um, but he broke his leg and like, I think it was his tibia and his fibia. And last year, he struggled to kind of get back to full speed. There was even some next gen stats that showed he wasn't he wasn't as fast as he was the year before when he was, you know, pre-injury. And so from all reports, it sounds like he's really back to full speed, which could make him a bigger factor in the Seahawks offense. And then the other thing is they just paid him. Yeah. Like, I just more, yeah, <laughs> more than 10, a, 10 million a year, which is kind of shocking. 20 million guaranteed for a three year extension, which I, I, they let Paul Richardson go, the Washington, and I, mm-hmm. I like Paul Richardson better. So it's, it's interesting, but I think the Seahawks are going to have to throw, throw, and they're going to be behind a lot. And I, I think he's fantastic for where he's going right now. I like Lockett a lot. I think he's a really good, I think people are probably not realizing how good he was early in his career before he got hurt. And so that's probably coloring a little bit of the analysis, but I mean, again, it is kind of a, a, it's, it's a crowded area and, you know, they obviously got Brandon Marshall, Doug Baldwin, Jerron Brown's there, you know, David Moore has looked really good in the preseason. So there's all these guys that you kind of have to contend with in that offense, but I think he's got a chance to carve it, carve kind of that number two rollout. And so it could be a good value right now. I think the Sharps are kind of on that. Okay. And then, all right, a couple guys that the Sharps are lower on uh, than everyone else. Uh, 
Jimmy Graham going 65th in the, the paid best ball ADP we looked at versus he's going about 52nd in generic ADP. Uh, we've talked about Graham a good bit. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit earlier. So, But yeah, it comes down to will he, I mean, he led the league in red zone targets. And also I think he's just a really sexy name and people know him. Right. And I think I think that, that there's some value probably being overinflated. He's, I, there's enough risk with what his targets will look like that it's not really no longer built into his value. Yeah, I think that, I, I think the, the general gist is that the general public or whatever is is overvaluing him based on the fact that, like you said, he led the NFL in red zone targets and in targets inside the ten yard line or five yard line yeah. or whatever. It might not happen like that again this year, and so there's sort of this this thought that it could he could be in you know he could be due for a regression, and so I, that's definitely interesting. The, the other two guys. <laughs> Funny enough that we, we'll go through real quick. We talked about these guys last week, I believe, and Michael Gallup and Peyton Barber both are lower per the Sharps, 170 on the best ball ADP versus 134 on the on the general public one. Peyton Barber, the same deal, 128th in best ball, uh, average draft position versus 78 in the public leagues. Now, so the Barber thing I think is really interesting because he's basically become the clear-cut starter there in terms of their running back in, in their backfield, but... At the same time, their run game has been really bad lately. And I think that the idea is like, even if he is the starter, there's still not a whole lot of value there. That's, yeah, I think it's a combination of being a stay away backfield. A lot of people think they're just going to suck and they Mm -hmm. might just at one point just give the job to to Rojo and just be like, look, he's going to be our backer of the future. It's not going to be a lot of positive game scripts for him probably either if they're, you know, behind a lot. And so, yeah, I I definitely see that. His name has picked up a lot of of steam lately. And with Gallup, I think his ADP is has shot up because if you Google fantasy sleepers like last minute before your draft, he's like the top of every list right now. I think that's part of it. Like he just actually got super hyped up in the last like 10 days or so. So buyer beware on those. I think obviously we were, you know, high on them as, as kind of late round sleepers but just don't it's no longer a late like, round sleeper the idea is like don't reach too much on these guys there's a lot of late round receivers I mean we've talked about Geronimo Allison we've talked about Michael Gallup you know you Keelan Cole now like there's a lot of guys but I mean I'm definitely less comfortable having to grab Michael Gallup at like the 12th round or whatever than like just you know my last pick and it depends uh, yeah. so another guy this one's interesting Carson Wentz going around 100th in the paid leagues we looked at 85th among the generic public I think this is just people being a little more plugged into the injury stuff. Uh, there's like a real toss-up right. about whether... I mean, so the Eagles have the first game of the season, which is Thursday against the Falcons. It's Thursday night. And there's a conspiracy corner where Wentz is going to start. That's been the plan. They haven't always had... They haven't really announced if he's, you know, open, uh, been cleared for practice, but he's been in 11-11, right. so he probably has. But they've closed off some of the drills, and they don't want people seeing. But should you have your franchise quarterback be playing? And there's a whole back and forth. And Foles has just looked awful. Foles has looked My, terrible. I don't know if any Super Bowl MVP has actually had a preseason drop him in the eyes of a fan base so much. And everyone, <laughs> even Philly fans look around like, oh, that might have been a fluke run. Like, <laughs> like it's wild, actually, to see Eagles fans slowly be like, holy crap, this guy sucks. So Doug Peterson said they'd announce it on Friday. But regardless, Wentz might not be healthy and might not be as mobile, you know. And also, I think the, the really underlooked part of this is it's like his third season. It's not like he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Stafford. He's not a quarterback who can just skip training camp because been there, done that. He's not someone, you know, it's, who can just step in and do it. Like those right. reps still really matter. Like he's still in his rookie contract. He's young. And I think that the worst assumption you can make is that even if he's healthy, he'll step right back to where he is. I mean, he had that. Right. Unbelievable 
completion rate and accuracy on third down. Like that stuff isn't an accident. You know what I mean? Like that's practice. That's timing. That's all this reps. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And now he's all these reps he doesn't have. That is more disheartening to me than even if he does come back healthy is that he just hasn't practiced with these dudes since yeah. November. Well, I mean, the upside is at one point last year, he was like an MVP candidate. He was one of the top fantasy scorers, obviously, but there's tons of risk around him right now. The injury, like you said, all the, all the misreps and just, you know, general regression possibility type of thing. And so um, I think that's kind of why we're seeing the sharps are maybe a little bit lower on that. The one last guy that we're going to talk about is rookie running back carry on Johnson right now. He's going about 20 spots lower in the sharp ADP. And, and so I think that that's definitely really interesting because early on he was a very, I think, hyped name, you know, just in general, like before the preseason got kicked off. But now we're seeing there's kind of a lot. There's just a jumble in that backfield. We don't really know exactly who's going to emerge. Word out of Detroit is Amir Abdullah might not even make the team. And that week four of the preseason is really important for him. So he, I mean, well, that might be announced by the time this goes live, but I mean, right. that would be stunning. But I mean, he he really hasn't done much. And then uh, LeGarrette Blunt's going to... So that would be in Johnson's favor. But Blunt's going to be the goal line back. I mean, Patricia brought him in from New England and obviously led the league in touchdowns in 2016 and then wasn't very much of a factor in 2017. But if he's getting the goal line touches for Detroit, and mm-hmm. Detroit actually has a much better line in years past. Obviously, they like never have... A, they haven't had a 100-yard rusher since... You know, I was in grade school. The 80s. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, LeGarrette Blunt could be really sneaky if he actually does get all these goal line touches and so the lines become a power team up front. But also, Johnson's value, It's are you going to bet on the lines reversing like four years of history? And if he's not getting the goal line touches, that's hard to do, especially when theoretic's still going to be on a third down. Right, right. Yeah, man, it's just, it's an unclear timeshare and I think it's it's it makes him a little bit more risky. I, I you know, He's looked good. He's looked solid, but like you said, there's just a, a jumble of guys. The role, the roles are unclear, and it makes sense that he's dropped a little bit. The upside, I think, has been pr- baked in to where he's going. He's going 60th overall. I mean, Royce Freeman, I guess, has jumped up a lot, but he's much closer to Royce Freeman, whose value is like a lot more solidified than what Johnson's role is going to be. Right. So those are those are the sharp values. Those are the differences. Um, best of luck to everyone in the drafts. And I think you had one final note you wanted to send people off with. Yeah, I mean, basically the other thing that just is just kind of the the to circle around and talk about this sharps ADP type thing is is Pat Thorman at PFF told me one one of the best ways to just get value in your draft is to just print out one of these ADP lists from from the best ball leagues that you pay for and bring it to your draft. Start crossing guys off as they go, you know, as they go off the board, and then when guys start falling, that's when you start picking those guys. That's when you can get the best value and. You know, there's just kind of the thought that the 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 more value you have on your team, it's just going to help you win win more games. And so, I think that's a really really interesting way to go. And and I'm going to be trying that this year. Oh, you are. That's good to know. Um, I might have to <laughs> <laughs> snipe you later. Um, and I will reiterate my advice, which is nobody knows anything. Um, and if you're between two players and you really are on the fence, just take the one that will make you smile more. Uh, that's really like that's the best advice I could just just. Just, yeah. <laughs> minimize risk is always talked about. I think of it as minimize, like, staying up at night and thinking about it and heartburn and maximize people who just make you happy. Absolutely. And yeah. So, Jim, I think I think we have some breaking news. We will be doing a three-person league. 
Well, it's not. It's just everyone on the Dynasty Football Podcast. It will be the official <laughs> football league of the Dynasty Football Podcast with the three of us. So I guess someone's going to have to have a bye every week. But it's going to separate the men from the boys. Uh, everyone's kind of trending toward deeper leagues and 20 teams and like all these big rosters. We're going the other way. <laughs> going to have a three-team league. We're going to do the draft. We're going to put our teams online. It's going to be It's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. How are we even going to do this? It's it's going to be great. We're going to have three conferences. And then... <laughs> <laughs> okay. and we're gonna, yeah, so I'm excited. Possibly, it's going to be great. Yeah, okay, okay. Teams are going to be good. Real good. I thought there was actually real breaking news for a minute there, and I got excited. <laughs> that is real breaking news. <laughs> this is a huge deal. This is a huge <laughs> deal. All right. Best of luck to everyone in their drafts. Yeah. DK, football. Real Happening. football is upon us. I cannot believe it's back. It's crazy. This is amazing. All right. Yeah. We're going to be transitioning to a different format, which we'll have some details on later, but we're going to be shifting to kind of in-season mode. But this yep. has been fun, DK, and I'm excited for the, the year to start. Good preseason, man. Good preseason. All right. And we're going to start up our three-team league. So we'll have our names for it by next week. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And uh, see you next week. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds in just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need.